Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, where we tell the true stories of the vaccine injured that many don't want to hear. These are real people sharing real experiences, uncensored and unsanitized. Listen and learn with us as we tell the stories that have yet to be heard by those who've been discarded. No preaching, no propaganda, and no judgments, just the truth. Hello and welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I've got another unique individual that needs to tell a story today for you, uh, a story that uh, isn't always easy to be told. And uh, from what I understand, as I've just barely been introduced to this individual today. Um, this is a story that hasn't been told very often over the last little while. And uh, so I want to make sure that we we get uh, as much depth as we can for you, but reminding you as the listener that this podcast is all about awareness. It's all about getting these stories out there, allowing people who've in many cases been censored or shut down or gaslit or a variety of other negative things, I would say, that has happened to these wonderful guests of mine on Dearly Discarded Podcast. This is a place where truth can be spoken, where true stories can be told without censorship of any kind. And uh, that's what we'll do today. So thank you for listening. And if you're ever wondering what you can do to help, the simplest thing you can do is share this episode with your friends and neighbors and also go to React19. Um, uh, the link for their website will be in the show description of every Dearly Discarded podcast, and you can look for ways to get involved there, uh, both with your time and financially as well. Without further ado, I'll introduce my guest, Claire Garley. Claire, welcome to the Dearly Discarded podcast. Hi, Jared. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very happy to have you. And as I discussed, uh, you know, earlier, this is the first time we've seen each other or talked. And uh, so I know nothing of your story and I'm really interested to hear it. Uh, sometimes my guests I already know before I have them on the show. Other times it's brand new like this. And uh, I love to, you know, get the answers to the questions uh, fresh like this. So I'm excited to have you here and I, I very much appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. It's it's a true honor to be able to safely begin sharing this story. So I'll ask the the, the first question that I always ask. It's the simplest question uh, because that's basically what the topic of this podcast is about is um, when were you originally vaccinated with the COVID vaccine? So Jared, I received two rounds. I began in March of 2021 and the second was three weeks later which brought us into april of 2021 okay and which brand of vaccine did you receive moderna there moderna. was no choice that was when i showed up that's what you that's got what the option was okay yeah and uh where are you from um I live in Texas with my husband and two kids. The accent betrays that. I'm born and raised in the United Kingdom. Okay. And how long have you been here in America? I've been here a little over 11 years now. So. Okay. 
quite right. quite acclimatized and accustomed to the Texan way of life. Yeah, I would say you sound definitely uh, different than the average Texan. Uh, <laughs> Just a little bit. Was... Our poor children have got a very strange <laughs> accent. <laughs> I imagine, I imagine. You've held yours quite well over the 11 years. It, it, it ups and flows. There's lots of y'alls that drop into there, and okay. it's, right. it's a mix. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And uh, how did you become? Well, first off, uh, so you said March of 21, so that's pretty early when yeah. all of this stuff was happening. Yes. Um, were you someone who was? Uh, what was your mindset going into it? Were you someone who was anxious to get it or anxious about getting it? So, if I give you a little background on me by bringing you to before March, sure. Um, I was 33 years old. I'm a mom of two kids. I'm stay-at-home mom. We homeschool. Um, I was, I would say, exceptionally healthy. I was comfortably running half marathons. I would meet with my friends and run 10 miles on a Saturday or Sunday morning for fun. I chased my kids around all day at boundless energy. I was very happy settled person um our oldest daughter has a condition called adrenal insufficiency hmm. um her her body does not produce a hormone called cortisol uh, it's pretty important hormone we we need it to sustain life but it also makes her incredibly vulnerable when she comes down with a simple cold rhinovirus or something like that it typically sends her to the hospital for several days. So we were we were in the pandemic with lots of conflicting information. And as a parent who just had a nine day inpatient stay with her, I was concerned. I obviously didn't want her to get another virus. I didn't want her to become sick and thought maybe my best line of defense is to listen to all the information that's been put out there and get a vaccine. I'm healthy. I can protect her and other vulnerable people the best I can by getting the vaccine. That's that's what was portrayed to all of the citizens. So when I got an opportunity, I was excited to go ahead and do it. I just I thought I was doing my part to help as a healthy person. Okay. H had you had COVID prior to that? No, sir. Not okay. that we're aware of. Nope. All right. And so what was your experience with the, after the first uh, shot? So the first one, the first one I felt, I felt unwell afterwards. Um, I couldn't tell you when I last took a nap. Um, but that next day I took a nap. I napped hard. My kids were concerned. Why is mom sleeping during the day? Mom doesn't do that. So, they said, I'm a homeschooling mom. We're active all day long. If it's mm. not arts and crafts, there's a lesson. We're outside playing. It's, it's March. It's beautiful weather. We had things to do. And it was just headache, body aches, chills, just feeling pretty run down. It lasted for a couple of days. And as you heard from most people, a side effect was to be expected. So... I didn't think much of it. Mm -hmm. So three weeks later, exactly, um, April 7th, I I was very apprehensive going for my second. But I maintained that this was the thing to do. I needed to be 
fully covered to protect my kid the best I could. So I went, it was 2.30 in the afternoon. I can, I can still see the big clock in the, in the gym hall where they had us all lined up and got it at 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, and this is where some of my memories have to be supported with my husband's knowledge because I don't remember some of it. So okay. um, my story is, is based off of what I remember and what he has told me. It got to, it got to about 8 p.m. So just a few hours afterwards and I uncharacteristically went to bed. I'm just saying I didn't feel too great. Um, I remember a sudden severe headache. It, it was like a snap of the fingers. It was the most severe headache I have felt in my life. I thought I was going to vomit and I have no other memory. It's everything is white in my mind. Mm. My husband said I stumbled towards the bathroom where I collapsed and he called 911. I have vague memories of people coming in and out. The next thing I know, I'm in a room and there is an orange stick at my nose, touching my nose. Um, any footballers or anything will know this as, a, as smelling salts, ammonia. Um, it burned. I wanted it gone. I was trying to hit this person. That's all I know. Mm. Trying to move this away from me. Um, I've since learned that that was to try and differentiate between a psychological and a neurological response. What is going on with this patient? If it's neurological, you're not going to be able to respond. The psychological, you'll push that medical professional back. I was not responding, although in my head I was. Mm. Um, I had lost the entire of my left side of my body. I couldn't move. I couldn't see. I didn't actually know that I couldn't see until later. Um, and it was deemed that I was having a stroke. So a supremely fit and healthy 33 year old was suddenly having a stroke. Yeah. Um, I was transferred to a bigger ER and then sent to the neural ICU for a couple of days, um, having received um, TPA, a clot busting drug. Uh, this was in the height of pandemic. Everything's shut down. Everything's closed. Kids can't even come near the hospital campus. Right. So I didn't see anyone for about four days until my mother-in-law flew down from New Jersey to support my husband with our kids. They were three and five at the time. They were little, um, five and seven, five and seven. Um, my parents at the time lived in Scotland. They were in the process of getting permanent residency. And that had ground to a halt because of all the COVID, everything grinding to a halt with that. They were not granted permission to fly. There was a no fly rule. They weren't 
rich or famous enough to break that. Mm. They petitioned the government. My husband petitioned governors and senators. Uh, my dad actually wrote to the White House. They were desperate to just get across to support our kids, my yeah. husband and me. So my knowledge of what was going on in hospital was really limited because it was just me. <laughs> there's gotcha. there's not a lot of photos or images or you, know, you see people sharing on social media, things like that, that happen. We don't have that with me because I was, I was alone. Hmm. That must have been an extra layer of challenge for sure. It was. Um, then, then things started to get strange. We had a lot of nurses telling me, we've seen so much of this since the vaccine began. And then the neurologists came onto my case and they started telling me, no, we don't think anything's wrong here. We think you're having migraines. Okay, I've never had them before. Why would I suddenly develop them within eight hours of having a vaccine? We think it's conversion disorder, which I know some of your previous guests have been told. Um, there's no trauma or triggers to back up a quite a dangerous diagnosis is that it's been heavily misused and misplaced over the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, I spent two weeks in inpatient rehab trying to regain my ability to walk, move my arm, and got home, had a couple of months of outpatient rehab, and kind of just got on with life. So when you first were experiencing this and you were cognizant as to what was going on after the smelling salts and all of that, what were, what were your initial thoughts in that process? What were you thinking was happening? Firstly, confusion, a lot of confusion. How am I here? Why am I here? I remember that I got the vaccine. I am not familiar with these kind of feelings because I am an otherwise very healthy person. Mm -hmm. And who's going to look after my kids? <laughs> What's going to go on now? So it was a lot of stress and worry thinking, why am I here? How did I get here? Can somebody confirm to me what is going on? I, I knew it had to be because I'd had the vaccine. It was, it was within hours and it was yeah. such a severe reaction. And no one would confirm that. But you were hearing from nurses that they th had seen a lot of it. Uh, were they... Yes, sir essentially telling you that they thought that was what was going on? I know they're not technically supposed yes, to sir. diagnose anything. That's what I believe. And okay. they encouraged me to contact the VAERS, which I did from mm -hmm. the hospital. I, I've done that the whole way through. I've done everything above board. I have tried as hard as I can to speak to whomever I can that has any influence that could help support people like me who I think unequivocally 
reacted to the vaccine. And no one has ever come back to me. No uh, government official or no government official, no medical personnel, Mm -hmm. no one. I said, you're welcome. You're welcome to look at my case notes. I am here. I will talk to you. You can do what you need. If I can help find why this happened, I'm here for that. No interest from the government or medical professionals. All right. So, sorry, how long were you in the hospital before you were released? It was five days in the hospital and then 11 in inpatient rehab. And I begged to go home at that point. So, about 16, 17 days after the second shot, you're back home. Yes. What are your symptoms like at that point? I came home with a wheelchair. Um, I was struggling to walk. I had limited motion in my left leg. Um, I had decent motion in the left arm, lots of numbness and weakness. Incredibly tired, so tired. Um, Lots of sensory overload and just just difficulty readjusting to home life where I previously was comfortable with my kids running around mom this mom that mm-hmm. questions and chatter all day long I wished and begged for silence for calm for peace which is the opposite of the the mom I was before how long did the sensory uh, issues continue or did that, is it still continuing to this day? Still there to this day. The, the plot twist for, for me is in March of this year, our daughter was in the pediatric ICU. Um, she was quite unwell. Is this your oldest, the one with the... Yes, is our, okay. yes. Um, she had five days in the kids' hospital and tested positive for coronavirus. Hmm. Um, she had no outward symptoms of it. It was her adrenal insufficiency that had caused her to be inpatient. Um, I developed an ear infection for the first time in my life <laughs> while there. Um, on her final day, I'd actually called my husband and said, I need to tag out with you. I have to go home. I'm in so much pain. I'd got home and my parents who've actually since moved over to Texas to support Mm. us through all of this, which has been nothing short of a godsend. My mom was at home with our youngest daughter and I said, with this incredible pain in my ear and my my foot's cold mom my foot's really cold and she took one one look at me (laughs) turned me right around and sent me to the er Um, by the time i got to the er again i had lost the whole of my left side and it was deemed i was having another stroke Mm. the 
connection there is an assumption that being that my daughter had coronavirus and we're talking spike proteins and all of that, was there a reactivation of what had happened to me during the vaccine reaction? Hmm. Um, again, I was treated with TPA. They misread the CT scan and said I had a tooth infection where later MRIs had shown it was mastoiditis, which is relatively serious in a healthy grown adult. Yeah. Um, so that was another big flag. This was the same ER that was trying to tell me before there was nothing wrong. Right. And I went through the same process again, back to inpatient rehab, back to neurologists telling me I I was just really stressed because my kid had been in a hospital. And we were all, Actually, I think that's the 14th or 15th inpatient stay that she's had. I, I really didn't find that one particularly stressful. We've we've done this rodeo a lot. Hmm. Um, I think you're clutching at straws here with me. And they completely dismissed everything. As soon as it comes up that I'm a patient who had a vaccine reaction, the tone changes completely. So what, when you say it comes up that you had a vaccine reaction, is that you telling them or is there something in your medical record uh, about vaccine reaction? It's or be me or a family member telling them. Okay. I don't think there's a whole lot there in the records. Okay. It's mentioned here and there. That's what I came in with, but it all breaks down to functional neurological disorder or conversion disorder in the end, which that's one of the most traumatic parts, being gaslit like that. Mm -hmm. Were you ever diagnosed with anything else uh, as a as a guest diagnosis from doctors? I hear a lot of mental health diagnoses like anxiety and things like that. With you, it was always the functional neurological or the yep. conversion. Conversion. Okay. And then if you push them and say, what's the trigger? What's the trigger for this conversion? And, you know, where, where are you guessing this from? I mean, it, my case really does not fit that diagnosis. And I've had, I've had neurologists literally just walk out of my room. In the two years since it's been over two years now, we're what, two years and three months or so, two, two years and two months, I guess. Um, have you found any medical help? Not until the last few months because of this second stroke. I, um, from where we live, I was fortunate to meet some of the React 19 team. Okay. And it wasn't until that point that I'd ever met anyone who had experienced anything similar to me. Hmm. I had one incredible doctor who's been by my side this whole time. One doctor who has never given up. Through and the entire process. From through the, the entire process. Okay. The one I credit with saving my life wow. and having me here today. That one doctor was the only one on board and who listened until 
recently when I met React 19. So this must have been an incredibly lonely feeling couple of years, uh, feeling yeah. like you were on an island, I would, I would imagine. It's, it's lonely and it's dangerous because it's not just me as an individual that's affected. My, my whole family is affected by being denied a proper diagnosis. I, in turn, deny the seriousness of what happened and continues to happen to me. I, I am a stubborn redhead. I will push through. I will push and I know no limits. And if someone tells me there's nothing wrong, then that's fine. But I will push and push and push. And it's up to my husband and my parents to say, hey, you've got two kids, you need you need to take it easier for them. And my retort is always going to be, I, I, I'm just crazy. That's, that's all that the doctors have to say, which is hugely unfair to me and them. Yeah, indeed. So how has this changed things for your family? Emotionally, it's changed everything, especially having... It happened a second time. I have two girls who are now scared. They don't know if mommy's going to disappear for several weeks again without any warning and come back learning to walk again. It's pushed them into a sense of independence and having to, having to comprehend concepts and topics that they shouldn't have to at their age. For my husband, he has to deal with my denial because no one will support me. He has, he has to be the rock for me. And he has to pick up the pieces when I push myself too hard to get better. Financially, what we felt was going to protect us has cost us thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. He had to take time off of work to support our family. If I was employed, I would have lost that job. Sure. We were already a one income family by choice so that I could homeschool our girls. And my, my background is in teaching, so hmm. it seemed like a natural progression for us. It's my, my parents literally moved across a continent because we were struggling so much. So that they could be there for us. You said before that they were trying to get uh, permanent residency in Scotland at the time. Is that right? Um, no, or so they were, at that they were time in they were Scotland. Planning... They were they were looking for their permanent residency here in the states. In the states, um, okay. To give them a, a degree of flexibility, mm -hmm. they weren't sold on a hugely permanent move as fast. Mm -hmm. Usually, it would take a little time, but gotcha with. All that has transpired, they felt they had no choice but to get here permanently and base here and support their grandchildren and their daughter through this. Do you have other family uh, uh, still over in the UK? Yes, all of my mom's family are all there still. So there's a lot of sacrifice on their part that way as well then. Huge amount of sacrifice. The culture for them is 
very, very different here. A massive financial sacrifice to literally start again in their 60s. We'll support them in every way possible, but it's... I'll never be able to thank them for all they do for us and have done for us. Well, it sounds like an amazing blessing to have them by your side. Truly is. And I imagine having grandma and grandpa there for the littles is fantastic as well. It's a dream come true. It really is. Yeah. Well, and, and of course there are always some silver linings in all of these challenges we face. And uh, that sounds like that's one of yours. So you are, you're kind of interesting uh, compared to many of the people that I've interviewed in, in a couple of ways, but one of the ways being that you really did seem to uh, sort of get lost in the shuffle for a couple of years before you, it sounds like, and let's correct me if I'm wrong, before you found any other fellow injured people at all. Yes, sir. It was a mix of, mix of what. The medical professionals had told me and all the denial that I faced and that that really really stopped me from daring to use my voice and I poured all my energy instead into how can I get better fast so did you feel like you were truly a one in a million case type of a situation I did because I had not heard of anyone who'd had such a quick and serious reaction and lived to tell the tale. Everyone else that we had heard of who had clots or any other reaction like that had so sadly passed away. And I thought, if I'm here and nobody's going to support me, then I have to pour my heart and soul into my family. And I felt, I felt so silenced, but also I was injured. So it was very, very hard to stand up while you were suffering and say, I am not okay. This is not okay. I feel like I'm in a physical and emotional position now to be able to say, actually, all this that happened is is probably not normal or okay. And this story should be out there. Yeah. How, How did people around you, people close to you respond? I think physically where we are, here in Texas, it was a lot of support and understanding. But that's a difficult question because that comes on how I shared the story originally. And I admit to being very nervous to saying out loud it was a vaccine reaction. Mm. It actually took me until this second time to say it was a stroke. I recently had um, MRIs done, a different neurologist who said, oh, look, there's the evidence of your strokes right there. And I refused to believe it. So I had to like nothing happened 
for a long time. And we just kind of kept it quiet to ourselves. Not through shame, but just a desire to move on. Gotcha. Are you able to still homeschool? Yes, sir. You are still doing that? Yes. I was adamant that we would continue that. I've fortunately got two little souls who are natural learners and we're we're more unschoolers, so they learn very, very organically and they just have they, they live their best lives day to day. They flourish, they're they're reading, they're outside playing. My youngest learned to count by collecting rocks and learned addition and subtraction by moving those around and adding twigs in and things. It's just we're so blessed. Yeah, I love to hear that. That's fantastic. So then recently you say that you uh, made contact with some people from React 19. How did you find them? There was a conference in Fort Worth and we heard that there would be a, a meeting at the end of the conference where anyone who'd been affected would be welcome to attend. So I, with my husband and mum, made the trip up and found ourselves in a room of other people who had experienced the same as us. What was that like? Hard to put into words. It was... Overwhelming seems like an understatement. Hmm. It was... difficult. It was wonderful. It was heartbreaking. It was a complete mix of emotions. To know that other people are dealing with the same challenges as you have been, that's the heartbreaking part. To know that others have been ignored Okay, we had a little bit of technical difficulty, but we're back. So I want to um, share just a, a brief story with you, Claire, and with the listeners. I have had such an incredible experience being the um, host on this podcast because I've been uh, put in touch with a whole bunch of strangers that I never met before who have unfortunately very similar stories, although all of them are a little bit different because of their, you know, life experiences and all that sort of thing. And um, what has been interesting is I've found people that feel like, you know, real brothers and sisters and like friends I've known for years that I've only known just for the last several months or, or maybe a couple of years in some cases. The first one of those being Bree Dressen, uh, who I, have you met or at least talked to her? We did. We got the opportunity to meet okay. when we were up in Fort Worth and I, I got a good 20 minutes to just chat one-on-one -on -one with her. And it was, like you say, it's like, it's like meeting a, a long lost friend when mm -hmm. you've got such a connection. It, it just naturally runs deep. 
Yeah. Well, and she's, as you know, an exceptional human being. And I've met so many exceptional human beings. I'll always remember the very first episode of this podcast that I did with Andre Cherry, who I also think is just absolutely exceptional in his family. And it it doesn't, you know, each time I never know what I'm going to get because, uh, like I said, in most cases, it's the first time I'm meeting somebody, the first time they're meeting me. Uh, many people have never heard the podcast before, so they don't know what they're signing up for exactly. Uh, but I had a unique experience that I want to share because I think it brings, I, I think it has value to the people listening. There are these meetups that happen uh, like at the event in Fort Worth. Uh, there was a very small one arranged here in Utah in Salt Lake City, which is basically right between where Bree lives and where I live. And uh, we had some people from Canada come down who've been on the show. Uh, we had several people from Utah, uh, some people from some neighboring states. Uh, I think somebody came in from Oregon, if I remember, or Washington. And uh, it was just a little kind of a little picnic in the park. There were only maybe 20 of us. Uh, and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, whatever, however you want to look at it, um, I haven't been injured by this horrible thing, but I know more people than my share of people who have. And I, what has been so beautiful to watch is the individual bonding of people who've gone through these like experiences. Like I've gotten to know and love many of the injured people, but I've never experienced what they've experienced. And I haven't experienced what a spouse or a child or a mother or a father of one of those people has experienced. But being able to sit and watch the bond that is created, like you just referenced with you and Bree after just, you know, 20 minutes of two strangers meeting has been really, really beautiful. So for those that th there's, there's two things I want to share about that. For those who are listening, who have been injured, and you're listening to your fellow injured tell their story, um, reach out and get in touch with other injured people. Find strength in their strength because all of you are struggling in different ways from my experience. And of course, I'm looking from the outside in here, but I have never seen more camaraderie and more beauty in these relationships in my life. I've never seen anything like it uh, in this group that I found in React 19. And I've been so blessed to be considered a part of it, uh, even though I'm fortunately physically not a part, <laughs> not a part of it, uh, because it is, it is beautiful. And for those of you listening who have not been injured, who don't have a loved one uh, who has been injured, um, like me, uh, reach out to these people who have and show your support. Uh, you can do it through React 19. You can find groups on Facebook and you can find people. It's it's less hard to find injured people uh, now than it was a year or so ago. There's less censorship happening, thank goodness. Uh, Twitter seems to be open again uh, and Facebook is doing far less uh, of their censorship than what they were doing. Um, take part in helping with this healing journey because it is a journey. It's an incredibly challenging journey, to say the least. And there is a need for support from for both the injured and from people who've not been injured, but who have an open heart and care for their fellow man who has been. And I just would encourage you to get involved and find ways to connect because I, I will tell you, it'll be a great blessing in your life. Absolutely. And in the lives of those that you connect with. Jared, you're a beautiful soul. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Well, I'll tell you, I 
when Bree asked me to do this show, I knew her a little bit, but I didn't know her really well. She'd been on my other podcast and um, I met her at a event. I don't need to talk about it too much because I've talked about it on other episodes, but we met and we couldn't have possibly come from two different places going into COVID in terms of our feelings about everything, politically, medically, and everything in between. We were not on the same page in, in many areas, I'll say. But what I believe we were is two people trying to do the right thing. And yeah. one of the things that I have stressed so strongly that I learned really in COVID for the first time in a profound way that really changed the way I look at my fellow man is that even if I'm on a completely opposite end of an issue, political, religious, medical, doesn't really matter the space that it's in. If I'm on a completely different end and they're over here, most of us, most of us in this human family down here are just trying to live the best life that we can and do the right thing. And if we could ever figure that out and quit hating and trashing those who don't believe like us and don't think like us, standing for the things that we believe are true, because that's important as well. We have to be strong in our convictions, but also I think we always have to ask ourselves the simple question, what if I'm wrong? And yes. open our minds yeah. and hearts up to that possibility as well. Couldn't and agree more. I've learned that and it's been beautiful. And, and so I try to share it. And it's clear to me, Claire, that you also are a beautiful soul. I, I can feel Thank the you. love that you have for your children, for your husband, for your mother and father, and for your fellow injured. I am, I am a very, very fortunate woman. I have so many blessings to count and like you, I, I just seek good. I seek good. I seek truth. What happened to the dinner table, the old fashioned dinner table where you could have uncles, grandfathers, grandmothers, you air your opinion. It gets heated, <laughs> but you know, when you walk away, you're still family, you're still friends, you still are doing the right thing by each other. You have the courage of your conviction, as you said, but the right thing gets done. And it is my firm belief in regards to the vaccine that the right thing has not been done. Hmm. And that is something that medical professionals and the government still have time to rectify. They can address it. It's a hazy ground. I understand and accept that. It's difficult to have put out so much information saying, this is safe, this is the way forward. But we tell our children, it takes bravery and courage to admit your mistakes, but you do it. And then together we fix it. If we can do it on that level, why can't we do it on upper levels? Why can't we say, yeah, you know what? We as a government, we were scared <laughs> during this pandemic. 
It was a scary time economically, medically. It was difficult. And we made mistakes. And there are a lot of you suffering. Let's fix that. Why is nobody researched? What's going on? Why is why is, has there been so much censorship and continues to be? There's no financial support for people and families who have spent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars and continue to do so and still don't have any answers. Yet inflation keeps rising, living costs keep getting more challenging. And then React 19 comes along and suddenly you don't feel quite so alone. Yeah. And it's and and what it's is overwhelming. What is React 19, right? I mean, if for those of you that are maybe this is your first episode of this dearly discarded podcast, React 19 is the sponsor of this podcast, but React 19 is run 100% by volunteers who are injured or family members of injured or people who have died from the COVID vaccines. It's not a government organization. It's I, I it's registered as a charitable organization, but it's not a typical charitable organization. It's not a bunch of uh, quote unquote do-gooders out there trying to do good. It's people who've been harmed, who are trying to help others who've been harmed. And it is people just simply fighting for their voices to be heard, which is why this is a podcast. Um, and it is so beautiful to watch people who struggle so much. I mean, your life, Claire, has changed in dramatic ways that unless somebody else has experienced it, they can't they they can't relate. I can't relate to what you're going through. No matter how many of these stories I hear, I can't put myself in those shoes, no matter how hard I try. And yet I see people like yourself who are still trying to live the best life they possibly can under sig significant challenge, also putting in extra time helping other people who are in the same boat and just banding together to do what's right by their fellow man. And it's been absolutely beautiful to watch. And so again, I encourage anybody listening, reach out to React 19, uh, volunteer, support them in any way you can, because this is a group of people that not only need your support, but deserve your support. And you couldn't possibly feel better about donating your time or your assets to an organization of this quality and this caliber. I have no shame in admitting initially I was scared to talk. I was, I was terrified. I'd been I'd been made to believe that it was all in my head. I, I didn't trust the reality of my situation hmm. based on what I was being told by medical professionals, the people you are expected to trust. <laughs> and I stayed silent. The longer you stay, silent, the easier it is to pretend, to forget, to move on, but you are living a lie. It's, it's buying you time. It was a part of my recovery journey. 
it was good in that way because I focused on the physical aspects of recovering. But it wasn't good emotionally. Mm. And it's only it's only now that I am beginning to find courage to share my truth and my version. And you can't do it alone. You you need you need your allies around you. And that's not just those who have experienced it directly. It takes it takes a gentle heart with a listening ear to understand that there are experiences out there like mine. But that something must be done to address that. And it's been over two years. It's it's time to get some serious help from a more national level. Yeah. Well, then that's begs the question, after over two years, why did you decide to do the podcast then? Because truth matters and there is no time stamp on truth. I think feeling physically more capable gives you the power to emotionally face your experiences. And finding out that I'm not alone, that what I've experienced isn't going to go away however hard I try. It's it's not going to go away. And acknowledging that this happened not just to me, not just to my family, but many other families, not just in America, but globally. Yes. And if we don't share, how do we find each other? Um, I, I have a social media presence. I've I've got over 20,000 followers on Instagram and I can safely say not very many of them know my true story. Mm. And it's, it's important to start somewhere safe and I felt safe here to begin. And we can create community if we start to talk open dialogue, like you said, an organic presence. It's, it's the start. It's, there's, it's never too late to start. It's like, it's never too late to apologize. It's never too late to share. And I think it's, everybody's journey is different. And the time frame of mine, there was a lot of censorship, a lot of politics. And it was hard to talk. Indeed. Well, I'm really happy to hear that you felt safe here on this platform, that the Thank other you, episodes sir. that you listened to um, gave you some confidence in that. And I certainly appreciate hearing your story and you sharing your story. Because again, while I can't put myself in your shoes, I have to imagine the challenges of just telling the story 
to anybody uh, doesn't feel very fun. And then to tell it to a, a wider audience like this, uh, not knowing how people will react, of course, is is challenging. But it is a story that needs to be told. It's a story that needs to be heard. And it's a story of a beautiful person with a beautiful family who's been impacted in horrific, horrifying ways uh, through this process. And I agree. I don't think as, as much as I'd like to say we can all do it alone, I don't believe by design we're solitary creatures. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we we tend to need that uh, support of our of our fellow man and not just within our little families but beyond that as well and like i said i've yes. i've experienced some beautiful connections uh, amongst those who've um, volunteered for those who've been injured and those who've been injured themselves and their families it's been beautiful to watch can i just ask uh, a couple of quick questions before i let you go one is where are you at with your health right now how how are things going do you feel like you're making progress since that second event Yes, um, physically, I'm very fortunate. I think it helps tremendously that I'm naturally an athletic person. Um, like I said, I'm incredibly stubborn. Uh, it brings me nothing but joy to get up in the morning before my kids and get out and get my workout in. That's been my staple routine for many years, and mm -hmm. I consider that a big part of how I'm able to physically keep going. No, I'm not at the fitness level that I was before, nor do I doubt I will ever be. I still struggle with fatigue. I have gone from the mom who's go, go, go to the mom who let's take a nap. <laughs> and that's a big shift. It frustrates me. I, I can't help but take it. I, I need, I need that time out to recover from whatever activity we did in the morning. I find I can't be in large groups. The different conversations are too much for me. Mm. It's very overwhelming. I can't pick out what I need to hear. If there's bright lights, sounds, too many sounds. I become incredibly overwhelmed and I, I need space and peace. It's frustrating, it's scary, it's isolating. It's difficult for her friends and family to understand. There's a lot of components to it and Initially, I wasn't scared if it would happen again, but now you you don't know what triggered this in the beginning. Therefore, is it a time bomb situation? Will something else trigger yeah. it again? And if I'd had some support from the medical field, we could be working towards answers. But it's not in a textbook yet. Right. So there's nothing that they can say or do, so they dismiss you. Have you found any uh, alternative options uh, that have that you found help with at all, or any types of um, uh, supplements or pharmaceuticals or uh, dietary changes or any of that sort of thing that has helped? Um, again, f fortunately, 
previously I was always considering my diet like I did with the fitness. So I've maintained that high level of healthy eating, clean eating, but supplements, yes, and more recently since meeting React 19 and Mm -hmm. having more of a community. The downside to that is finances. It's it's difficult to afford a protocol. Insurance is not going to support you. And you're scared. I'm scared of anything I take into my body medically or supplement wise. That's that's one of the impacts and side effects for me is a fear I didn't have before. Sure. I I now I really don't want as much as an ibuprofen, I I don't want it. If I can limit what I have, then I'm good. I'm so scarred from one single shot experience. Yeah. All right. I always like to ask that question because I need to uh, hopefully as much as possible unearth uh, things that are helping. Uh, I I, I would encourage you, Claire, to reach out to your fellow injured and and ask questions about that sort of thing. There's a a universal um, concern, I think, uh, amongst uh, the React 19 community as to you know, what they can take safely, what they should take, what they shouldn't take. If there's a brand that they can trust or a doctor they can trust, there's a lot of this because it has to change your outlook on medicine across the board. Yeah. Hugely. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else, any other part of your story that we've left out that you'd like to uh, uh, throw in right now before I let you go? I think an agreement with you that community is what matters. Um, I personally am reachable uh, on social media, easily found. I am willing to discuss, to talk with not only those who are affected and impacted directly, but those eager to find out more. I think we're in a safer time now than we were two years ago, where we can discuss more. And I think that's why I'm more comfortable talking more frankly, because I think the wider community is ready for discussion. So don't be afraid to reach out and don't feel like you're alone in this journey. I think that's a great place to to end it. Thank you so much, Claire. You have been wonderful to speak to. I appreciate your boldness and sharing your story. I know it doesn't come out easily. Uh, and uh, this is one of the first times that you've really done it on uh, in, in a big way. And I, I can tell you that people need to hear your voice. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a true honor. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. And for those listening, I'll just say one more time, reach out to React 19, get involved. If you can get involved financially, uh, they would greatly appreciate it. This is a work that is 100% 
reliable and trustworthy. I know the people that run the organization. They are one of just three charitable organizations that I actually trust to send my money to. And they do absolutely beautiful things. I would encourage you to get involved. And if you can't get involved financially, there are other ways that you can get involved and volunteer as well. React19.org is the website. There will be links uh, in the show description. And of course, another wonderful way that you can get involved that we highly encourage is for you to share this episode. Uh, look on the Dearly Discarded. You can see this on video on um, Rumble. You can get it on audio on any of your favorite podcast uh, apps, and you can share it in whatever way is easiest for your friends and family and uh, associates to hear. And then I would also encourage you to check out Dearly Discarded Pod on Instagram and React19 on Instagram, where these uh, little highlights from these episodes are shared, and you can post those around as well. Those are some ways that you can get involved and help. Uh, for now, I'll say this. I, I Every single time, it, without fail, I meet a new guest on the Dearly Discarded podcast and they touch my heart and do wonderful things for me. It's a great blessing for me to be the host of this show. Claire, thank you again for joining us. And for those listening, thank you for joining us as well. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been the Dearly Discarded podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dearly Discarded podcast. We encourage you to help break through the silence and share this episode with your friends and family. It's time for these stories to not only be told, but to be heard. For more information, head to react19.org and dearlydiscardedpod.com. The Dearly Discarded Podcast is produced by Jared St. Clair and Michaela Hyde with support from React 19. We'll be back next week with another true story from one who lives it. Until then, join us on Team Humanity. Keep an open mind, seek the truth, and share these stories. Most of all, Open your mouth. Silence won't change anything. React 19 needs your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text.